Temptation is an opportunity to make right choices. You know, people always find, well, I want to choose for myself. Well, good. Now choose right choices when temptation comes. Temptation is a trick from the enemy to grab you and I to bring us into captivity and into bondage. Jesus, at the same time, wants you and I to choose so that we can become free. Break from those chains that the enemy constantly wants to hang over us. Being tempted is not a shameful thing, but healing to it will become. I'm going to say that again. Being tempted is not a shameful thing. There's not one of us in this room that hasn't been tempted in some way. But when you heal to it, it becomes a shameful thing. And that's what Jesus wants to stop us doing. So somewhere in there, if you and I will just stop and listen for a moment, you will hear his voice calling you out of it. But sometimes we are so caught up in what we're doing, we don't hear that voice. Temptation is intended to hurt us, to destroy us, not only us, others as well. You will find that when the enemy does something in your life, there's a ripple effect onto the people close to you. That's why it's important. What is happening to me is important because it's touching somebody else's life as well. So we, how does temptation work? We, we went through the, the desire, remember the inside man, for temptation to be able to work. The enemy's got to find an inside man, something on the inside that is not godly. And he locks onto that and he uses that to be able to draw you into a trap. God, at the same time, also needs something on the inside called desire for you to want to walk in godliness and to walk away from ungodliness. We looked at doubt, how all of a sudden when the enemy comes in, he, and, and we started doubt God's word. And then last week, I had all the traps that I, rat traps that I stuck onto me. Remember that? I needed life insurance with that thing. Sheesh. But the, but the enemy is setting traps for us. And we looked at, you don't, put, you don't get an animal into a trap by just putting it in the open. You've got to camouflage it in some way. You've got to entice the animal in there with something that it likes to get it where it shouldn't be. And the enemy does exactly the same. He uses something that you like. That's why the Bible says we need to crucify the flesh. Because if we don't, the enemy is going to put bait out there that's going to draw the flesh into the trap. So temptation number three, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So if you think that your temptation is totally unique and totally different, sorry for you. Every one of us faces exactly the same stuff every single day of our life. And he says there, and God is faithful. Will you say that? God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. No, no, you're not telling me as if you really believe it. God is faithful. That's it. If you're not convinced God is faithful, what are you going to do when, 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 when the enemy comes against you? You're not going to waver. We've got to realize God is faithful. It says this, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's very interesting. So in other words, when this little... The scandal on thing that's been hung in front of you and I to entice us somewhere. God is saying on the inside of you and I, we have what it takes to say no to that. That's encouraging. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In every time there's a temptation, there is a way out. The problem is... 
We don't look for it. Let me give you a brilliant illustration. How many of you went shopping in the mall this week? You never went shopping, not one of you. What? Okay. Thank you for those who went shopping. <laughs> so the next time that you go, you're going to remember this illustration. When you and I go into a mall, how many of you take note of the fire escapes? Two people. The fire escapes. What? I know. You see, we get so caught up in what we're looking for. We don't look for the fire escapes. We don't even have a clue. So when something goes, that bell goes, you won't know where to run. And that's exactly the same in our lives, is that we're never looking for the fire escape. Because God says that he provides a way of escape. There's a way out. But the problem is you've got to look for it. It doesn't, you know, have you ever driven down the road and, and you see those very sharp uh, bent um, signposts warning you of a very sharp corner coming? And if you carry on at your speed that you're going, you're going to have an accident. That signpost doesn't jump and go, look at me, take note. No, it just stands there. And as the driver, you've got to be observant and take note. And you respond. The car doesn't slow down by itself. Okay, some of the new ones, I think they're getting there now. <laughs> they have these things that kind of like you're getting too fast, too close. They slow you down. You see, we've got to be a, understand that temptation is out there to draw you in. But there's, there's, there's alarm bells that God puts on the inside of us. And if you, if you think back after you've fallen and made a mistake, if you think back, you'll remember, I remember something. Have you been there? Yeah, I heard God saying, don't do this. I've been there. I've done that thing. So here's, here's something. The life I have is the life I've built. And the life I've built is the life I have. That went, new. The life I have is the life I've built. And the life I've built is the life I have. You see, we're very quick at blaming somebody else. No, you built your life. You built your life. And so you and I need to stay away from the areas that we know we're weak and vulnerable in. Don't look how close you can play to the line. Don't look how close you and I can play to the line. I want to imagine you had a, a, a company and you're looking for a, a, a driver to drive your trucks up a mountain pass. And there's, there's, there's the two trailers on. And the bends are quite sharp. And, 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 and it's quite a maneuver to get there. And you're interviewing three drivers. And your question to that driver is, how close can you get the back wheel of the back trailer to the edge of the cliff? And the first guy says, I can get the edge of the tire in line with the cliff. He says, wow, that's impressive. Second guy says, I can get, you've got double wheels, I can get the outside wheel over the edge. Great, remember, you own the truck. And the third one says, I try and keep my tires as far away from the edge as possible. Who are you going to employ? 
Number one, number two, number three. Exactly. Because you don't play with trouble. Stay away from trouble. If you can imagine there's a, a fine line over here and you're walking along the line, how do you know whether you're on that side of the line or that side of the line? It becomes blurred. And that's how the enemy catches us. When you're playing with trouble, he will put that trap out there and he'll catch us. Every time we stand up to temptation, every time we beat it, we get stronger. It gets weaker. Now I'm going to say that again. Every time we stand up to temptation, it gets weaker. We get stronger. That's why we've got to be into winning. That's why we love the Springboks, because they won. Sure. <laughs> In 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, flee the dis evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee from youthful lust. Run from that stuff. When something starts to, to, to become a claw that's grabbing you and trying to pull you away from Jesus, you run from that thing. Last week I shared the scripture. I can't remember the address. It says, it says that, that um, no, no, the power of sin is in its secrecy. If you keep that thing quiet, in fact, I've got the scripture late today again. If you keep it quiet, it holds you. But as soon as you share it and you bring it into the light, it loses its power over you and I. The Living Bible says this, run from anything that gives you evil thoughts, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do it right. There is always a way out. To beat temptation, I have to do my part. God's not going to come up and pick you up and go and put you over here. He's going to say, don't do it. And my obedience and out of my love for him, I get up and I run in this direction. That's why repentance becomes the most important part of fixing anything, because repentance is turning around and walking away from that thing, doing a change of your life. So the Lord leads, He doesn't control, and I have to look for the exit signs. So, number one, Kind of like just some things to help us in dealing with temptation. Focus on something else. Focus on something else. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your thought life. We are drawn to what we focus on. I'll give you an example. If you ride a motorbike or bicycle or anything, or you fly a plane, where you look is where you go. So you're on a bicycle. Have you seen, you're going on the edge of the road, the bicycle's on the edge of the road, and they hear a car coming, and they look like this to see where the car is. What does the bicycle do? It goes into the road. It's very interesting. If you're riding a motorbike and you go into a corner, where you look is where you're going to go. So if you're looking at the corner over here, you can't negotiate the corner. It seems like the bike wants to keep on falling off, and you want to go, you want to cut the corner. But as soon as you start to look where you're wanting to come out, it's amazing how you're able to negotiate the corner and come out the other side. It's just that that's just a principle. 
on where you look is where you go. And there is a, um, in Romans 12, 1, it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living, holy and, uh, uh, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You and I present it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, the renewing of your mind, the changing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You cannot think of nothing. Your brain is always thinking about something. But us men, we have a nothing box. <laughs> and when I go long short, and I'm driving long distances, I go into my nothing box. The Bible does not say resist a thought. It says resist the devil. It says change a thought. Change a thought. We have to change our thoughts. The last time you fasted, <laughs> did you notice how all of a sudden you were so aware of all the food signs around? You never noticed it before, but McDonald's seems to be a bigger sign. You thought, sure, who put this new sign up here? You never noticed it before. But all of a sudden, now that I'm fasting, my, my brain is always thinking of food all of a sudden. It's interesting. You can actually go without food for a day, but as long as you say fast, it's like my brain goes into another mode, and I need food all of a sudden. What happened to the ability just to stay without food for a day? See, because there's something about the way my mind starts to work, and it starts to determine how I behave. When we're fasting, it's amazing how many amazing cooks are around all of a sudden. You go down, <laughs> you go down the street, and I mean, every place that used to have terrible aromas coming out, all of a sudden now, there's just like amazing aromas coming out of there. Why? Because all of a sudden, there's something that's being stimulated. My brain is just focused on, on food, food. I need, to, I need to get myself something to eat. Have you noticed that when you're angry with somebody, when you don't see them, you're okay? But as soon as you see them, if I catch you in a dark alley, I will bless you. <laughs> and here's the worst. When you see somebody that you really are um, got some issues with, they always seem happy and you're grumpy. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, we're demolishing arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I have to get my thinker in line. I've got to bring control over it. When, the, when, it, when it starts running wild like that, I've got to harness it. I've got to put reins on it. I've got to bring it into order. It's my job. It's not just going to happen. How do we do that? I have to do the opposite to what I'm feeling. So that's why when the Bible talks um, in Matthew 5, 44, it says, As I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
your natural response, I want to smack you. And if I can, I'll accidentally kick you. But the Bible says that we need to pray for them and we need to bless them. We need to put the opposite thing into reaction, into action because that's how I change something. If you keep doing the things you're doing and you keep getting the things you've got, and if you don't like what you've got, then you have to change what you're doing. I have to change what I'm doing. I cannot put a new globe in a light fitting if the old one is still in place. I've got to get the old one out to put the new one in. If I want to change a behavior, I'm going to have to change the way I think. I have to change the way things I think of so that I can start to model a different behavior. So the battle of sin is won and lost in my mind. And I cannot change the way I live if the old thinking pattern stays in place. Philippians 4.8 says, As finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, noble means honorable or decent, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The Bible's telling us, think about the things that are good. You okay? You here? Good. So remember this, that what we give power to has power over us. What we give power to has power over us. And if we keep feeding the lion, it eventually is going to eat us. And if I do not focus on something else and keep my mind occupied with God's word and keep reminding myself what his word says, I'm going to keep living the way I used to be. Here's the interesting thing. If you've looked at your life, when you and I start a backslide, what do, we, what do we slide back to? We slide back to how we used to be. The behavior patterns, the thought patterns, the, all the mannerisms, all that kind of stuff. When you let go of God, you slide back to that very person again. It's only God's word and allowing his word to be the map that we follow that keeps me away from who I used to be. And the day I let go of that... I fully slide back down to this thing. Become the old. Number one, change my thinking. Number two, confide in a godly friend. I loved what um, Pierre shared about the wells put and, and a channel was, was dug to a water source and then the water came and filled the, the, the pit. There's, there's, there's something in that concerning this. And, and, and Andrew also spoke this last week on the accountability of a value for us as a, as, a, as a congregation, as a people, but as a godly value. And in James 5, 16, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is something in walking with someone. You'll notice that the world wants you and I to be isolated from others. Have you noticed how technology and everything has, is, is stopping people action? Have you noticed that? Everybody's walking around with these earphones over their heads. Don't talk to anybody else. I don't know what they're listening to. I hope it's good. But, but, but we, it seems like the world's trying to squeeze us into this little mold. Me and I and, and I and me and, and, and we're happy. That's not life. You've shrunk your world to this little thing called me. There's no life in that at all. You'll exist. 
There's no light. And so what happens is God starts to put you and I in amongst people. And, and, we, and what we've got to ask ourselves is, where am I trying to? What's my destination? And how do I get there? Now, here's the amazing thing about life. Who is it that's going to hurt you? Other than the paving stone or the rock or the something that you kick. Who's going to hurt you in life? People. Who is God going to use to help you get healed? Da, 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 da. So if you cut people out of your life, you're going to stay broken for the rest of your life. Ask the question in common, I'm going to ask you. So afterwards, we're and, and you know, we, we, we want to be accountable. And we want to walk with others. But what is it that's going to make me not want to walk in accountability? Come, I want your participation. Shout out loud so we can. What's going to make me not want to be accountable? Fear. Fear of what? Fear of people. Fear of opinion. Okay. Anybody else? Pride. Yes. Fear of being exposed. How? So that your exposure can only come if somebody starts to talk to other people about you. It's called gossip. Gossip. What else? Shame. Okay, what else? So shame, sh sorry, let me just read it. Shame over here is going to be how when somebody shares their heart with you, how you respond. And if you are not very wise in how you respond, they're going to feel shameful and think, sure, I've just made the biggest mistake of my life. Right? Okay? Persecution, yeah. Persecution. Um, what else? Lack of trust. You've got to have a bridge. Nobody's going to come and share their heart with you if there's no bridge that will hold that. So that's why when you start to get to a place where somebody is going to confide in you, you better treat that with huge honor because that is a privilege to you. Somebody has just felt that they are secure or safe with you. So if we are going to be the church that's going to be accountable, or in other words, work, walk with another brother or another sister, we better be careful that we don't do these things that I've just said now. Or no, I said, you said. Is it okay that? <gasps> rejection. I want to tell you one of the greatest things that we are facing in, in life is rejection. And if you hold a place of, I'm going to use a word now, and, and, I, and I hope you, but a, a position of authority, so, uh, someone that somebody looks up to, you better be very careful on how you behave. Because people of Authority of people of influence. And, and when you are in a position of influence and you handle something badly, it hurts. It cuts deep. Last week I shared about how they told me at school I'm useless. And, I, and they've got to draw pictures so that I can understand what they're trying to get me to do in rugby. And, and all those kind of things. You know what? And, and you laugh that thing over. But I had to work through those things. They hurt. They hurt. It takes a long time before you start to, and I, and I remember 
um, the, the, the teacher that told me that I must never, ever stand up in front of people and talk because it's just not me. And when God started to work in my life, I had one dream. I wanted, Lord, will you please connect me with that teacher? Because I want to tell him what you've done in my life. And then I heard the sad story that apparently he went fishing somewhere here in the Cape. And a, and a freak wave came and washed him off. And he's gone. Nobody can find him. Very sad. Very sad. So the God's plan for our lives includes other people. Don't cut people out of your life. You might need to keep people at a little bit of a distance for a period of time, but not permanently. But in the place of it, there needs to be somebody else that you draw close to you so that you can become healed and I can become healed. Here's that scripture, Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals or covers their sin does or will not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them founds mercy. Read it to you again. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. His power, the power of sin is in its secrecy. It will keep you. The shame of our sin will keep us bound because that's exactly what the devil wants. So don't cut people out of your lives. Someone hurt you, there's somebody else. Listen, one person might have hurt you, but not everybody has hurt you. Maybe something happened in church and, 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 and it wasn't a good experience. And, 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 and unfortunately, those kind of things do happen. But I want to say to you that not every church is bad. So we need to get to the place where we get healed from that. Number three, we need to move on. Number three, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Temptation does not go for the areas in my life that I'm strong in. I'm going to say that to you again. Temptation doesn't go for the areas in my life that I'm strong in. It goes for the areas in my life that I'm weak in. That's why we must not leave areas in our life that are weak, weak. We need to work those things. So Andrew used the illustration of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wanted to go for uh, Mr. World in bodybuilding or whatever. And, and he had a brilliant top body, but he wore long pants so nobody could see his legs. And his legs were tiny, thin things. And the coach that he went to says, I will, I will take you and I will train you for Mr. World, but we will not work on your top one. We will only work on your legs to get your legs in line with what your top body, part of your body looks like. He said, because our weak areas, we avoid those areas because that's where shame normally connected to. But our strong areas, we... James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee. What does the devil do? He flees. When? Resist. Resist is not used here in a passive way. It's used in an aggressive way. It's talking about fighting back. It's talking about fighting back. It's talking about standing your ground. It's talking about not taking and lying down. It's talking about taking something back. It's a war that's going on there. And when you resist, you've got to push against. In other words, we, when you push against it, it's not just going to walk away. It's going to keep coming after you. And you're going to do everything you can to keep this thing at bay. That's where the prodigal son was. Grabbed everything he could and he went. And he had to get to a place in his life when he was broken at the end of everything. It says that I will get up and go back to my father. He had to say no to where he was to get back to where he should be. 
We will never change anything if we've never got to the place I've had enough. I've had enough. Because while there's still something on the inside that likes what you're doing, I will still keep entertaining this. Tell you a story, a true story. And I'm going to use Cape Town as an illustration just so you can understand how the enemy works. So there was a young man that was struggling with pornography, been through prayer, agreed to everything else, but somehow just could not get free. And one day as he was sitting with the pastor, and the pastor asked him, where do you work? So he lived in example Sunnydale, and he worked downtown Cape Town. He says, how do you go to work? He said, I just jump on the R27 and I go, you know, he says, okay. And when you come home, what road do you take? He said, no, then I take the N1, then I take the N7, and I go into HB, then I carry on the N7, and I go to noon, and I go home again. He says, why do you do that? He said, because there's a movie house in Edgemead that um, has movies that I like to watch. He says, what kind of movies is that? Land up being X-rated movies. So you see, you can go for deliverance and all that kind of stuff, but if you don't cut the tie, you're going to keep feeding the lion. You're never going to get free. So you and I have got to resist the devil. You're going to have to change your way of life. You might have to change the way you go to work. We're getting quiet. So this might surprise you as believers. Devil cannot, fo- cannot force us to do anything. He can only suggest. If you don't say yes, he cannot take you further than that. I, it has to have a yes from me. I'll do that. And here's the thing. The weapon to overcome is the word. Is the word. What is the first thing? Just think about your Christian life for a moment. This is what I've seen in my life. When I start to cool down, and I'm not serving God with passion or whatever, guess what's the first thing that kind of like falls off the radar? Reading the Word. Reading the Word. Therefore, I'm not, I'm not putting in the vitamins, spiritual vitamins that I need to be able to resist the bacteria that's attacking my body. My antibodies are dying. And so the devil does not fear you and I. He fears the word of God inside you. That's why I think God said to Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. Let it not depart from you. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. God, I want to say that's the same thing for us. As God has been with Moses, with David, he is with you and I. He has never left us. He's never forsaken us. But he has given us tools to use to see his power manifest in our life. He says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. He is waiting for almost like this. I hope you don't get me wrong, but it's almost like when, when I speak His Word, it's almost like it, it releases the power of God. Because He's waiting for His, He loves His Word. He says, He's exalted my Word above my name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word is established forever. So that's why you and I have got to get to a place that we, we read the Word 
But not only read it, we've got to meditate on it. You're not going to have to find scriptures that, that speak about how God strengthens me in my weak areas. And I need to start to feed that. I need to feed that. That's how I resist him. Number four. Remember, we are always vulnerable. We are always vulnerable. You let your God down. He comes in like a flood. He's going to, he, 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 if we, <laughs> sometimes we, we play with the enemy. And sometimes we're going to do something that we shouldn't do and we get away with it. And here's the problem. We then make that the norm. I'll give you an illustration. When I was doing my pilot license, and one day we were coming to land, and all of a sudden the wind came up, and it was blowing the airplane all over the place. And I was struggling to keep the runway over there, because one room the runway's there, then it was over there, then it was over there. And I'm coming down, and, and I've got the instructor sitting behind me over here, and he's talking, to, and, and, and I'm, I'm doing everything, and I'm trying to remember. So here's the deal. When you, when you are trying to remember what you should do, and apply that, and think what he's thinking... Uh, somewhere along the line, you're going to drop something. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get, I'm just, my prayer is, Jesus, can I just get this airplane on the ground? That, then I know we're safe. And I was going down. And eventually I landed there. I said, hallelujah, I did it. And I just heard his voice say, I wouldn't have done it that way. What do you think he was saying? <laughs> you broke every law, but praise God, we landed. <laughs> sure. And you know, the one time, now, now, so when you've got the instructor with you and he's talking to you, it's brilliant. So one day after um, I've now got my license and I'm actually loaning somebody else's airplane and I'm flying somewhere in a new area, I don't know it, and I fly over a place in Peter Marisburg. They've also got a table mountain there, um, but it's over the, uh, what river? The Doozy River. I think it's the Doozy, where they, uh, the Doozy River. And it's a, just a massive hole. And then all of a sudden, I hit turbulence. My goodness, I've never seen turbulence. I mean, what, I'm like up like this, and I'm like this, and then I'm here, and then I'm going back that way. It was just throwing me all over the place. I'm saying, Jesus, help this little boy. And I'm just trying to fly the airplane, you know. And this is the thing he says, just keep flying the plane. Because, you know, when you hit panic button, you just like forget about flying. You just want to hold on. But you've got to keep flying the plane. And I'm, and I'm up and I'm down. And I, and, and I realize that I've gone into what you call a wind shear. So it's where wind goes past each other in different directions. It just creates this whole washing machine effect. And you can't see it. You just hit it. And you don't know whether to go up. You don't know whether to go down. You don't know, is this washing machine like 400 meters up higher? You know, that you're staying in it. And I'm just like panicking. I'm just trying to head for the airport so I can just get out of this air thing, you know, and, and why did I tell you that story? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're vulnerable, and so you, you don't push the boundaries, you're vulnerable, put the boundary in place and keep it there, don't go and play, if the internet is a problem, you've got to put boundaries in place there, otherwise... You don't even have to ask for the stuff. The stuff just finds you now. Don't go there. I want to I I make a big ask here. And if, if I offend you, 
I apologize ahead of time. Ladies, I don't know whether you know that men's eyes roam. Looking. Did you know that? Do you know what they're looking for? God didn't make you with the body that you have. How can I say this nicely? I've got myself in a corner now. Hey? Yeah, I just keep flying. Just keep flying the plane. Okay. Can I ask a favor? Can I just, can I shoot straight? Ladies, can I ask you to dress properly? Can I ask you to make sure that your young girls dress properly? This world wants you to expose as much as you can. It does not help men. And I don't believe that God wants us to be a stumbling block to each other. Is that okay? I'm asking you very nicely. Because if we are going to, if I am part of the problem, I don't believe that I'm carrying God's heart. Sure, now you're looking at me at the cows in Newgate. Yes. If you're not too sure, kind of like what's good, what's not good, then I think come and talk to some, some of the, the, the elder ladies and com leaders and whatever. But I'm asking you, can, I'm not asking you to dress up like, like Ofros. Okay, that is also another. <sighs> keep flying the plane, keep flying the plane. Oh, Lord, that was it. Okay, no. That is a crash land. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's just stop this public thing right now. And, um, and, and if you can hear my heart, please, I'm asking you, let's train our, our young girls to present themselves in a godly way. And let us, let us be an answer to the problem that the world is presenting that is trying to trip people up all the time. Is that Okay. Romans, let's, let's get away from there and let's do Romans 2 verse 4. <laughs> Where am I? Romans 2 4. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Verse 5 says, but because your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself. So God is gracious, and the problem is, remember, when we get away with it, we go and make that the norm. No, no, no. God's kindness has hopefully touched you to reposition yourself and say, that was wrong. Thank you, Jesus. There was, there was, I, I got away lightly. Let's fix the thing. Remember, you're vulnerable. If we don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass us. It is easier to say no to temptation than to get yourself untangled from the sin that tempted you to get involved. Sin is intended to kill us. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Temptation is here to stay. But God's a good God. And there's a way out. 
look for the fire escape and run like crazy. Don't look back. Don't look back. Walk away. Stay away. Remember Joseph was almost caught like that with Potiphar's wife? And he left his lacquer coat and he ran. Didn't go back for it. It was used as evidence against him. But before God, he was clean. Before God, let us stay clean. Amen. Let's pray. We love you, my Father. We love you.